confident expectation that we will experience the goodness of God in all of life. A confident expectation that we will experience the goodness of God in all of life. Can you say that with me as I just share that? I have hope. A confident expectation that I will experience the goodness of God in all of life. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This scripture has been read uh, several times over the past uh, uh, three weeks, and it's going to be read again today. But I'm going to read a little bit longer section of it. I'm going to read some long sections of God's Word today because it's in, it's in the Word that we have encouragement. It's in the Word that our hope gets built up because the Word says we've been born again to a living hope. Living Hope is alive, and that's the, everything I'm going to talk about, I'm centering in on that one word out of First Peter, where he said we've been born again to a living hope. And so I'm going to talk today about living, that at one part of that, that it's a, I asked Francie, I said, okay, Francie, help me with my English. Is living an ad, adverb, an adjective? And she said, it's an adjective. It's describing the noun. So what kind of hope is it? It's living. <laughs> it's alive. I, 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 I've, been, I've been on this thing all week long. Years ago when I was growing up, my brother and I, he was five years older than me, uh, sometimes we'd like to stay up and watch uh, old movies. And uh, we'd always have grandma set up with us because the movies then came on from 10 o'clock to midnight. And so I can remember watching the old, old Frankenstein movie. I don't know if you've ever watched that. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't some of the nonsense that we get in today. <laughs> it, was just, it was just kind of a fun thing. But in, in that movie, uh, you know, Frank, Dr. Frankenstein is wanting to create uh, a living man. And so he assembles all these parts and puts all this stuff together. The guy's laying on this table and uh, begins to lightning. And so he raises it up into the ceiling so that the lightning can hit it. And when the lightning hits it, he comes back down and he sees it move. And he said, it's alive, it's alive. Hope is alive. <laughs> Your hope is alive. It is, a, it is a living thing. It's just not a word. Paul descri or Peter describes it as a living. So reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through down through verse 7. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience to Christ and for the sprinkling of blood. It's nice to know the context. Who is he writing this to? When he's getting ready to tell them that they are, they've been born again to the living hope, look at who he's talking to. He says, to those who are elect exiles, exiles, some translations give it pilgrims or, or, or sojourners of the dispersion. First Peter Hebrews, James, were all written to believers who were scattered. They're scattered, not of the will of their own, but they've been scattered like seed among the nations due to persecution. So it's, it's, it's believers, it's, it's born-again people, some Jews, some Gentiles, but they've been, they've been scattered abroad because persecution broke out against the believers. You know, and it says in the book of Acts that in this one location, in this one place, it said they were called Christians. That wasn't a nice, when they were called Christians, that wasn't a nice word. It was almost like they're cursing them. It's a curse word to them. You guys are Christians. It was, it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a blessing uh, for them to be called that. But so they, they're, they're sojourners. We, today we talk about refugees. Refugees. Right now, it's estimated in the Ukraine there are between 7 and 12 million refugees who have been scattered like seeds in other locations through no thought, uh, 
a fault of their own. It's because a wicked, a wicked man, a demonized man, decided to rage war against them and, raise the, and, and, and put troops through deception into a war that they, many of them didn't even want to be involved in. Some of them still don't want to be involved in it. But they've assaulted this nation. And so between 7 and 12 million people are now exiles. That's the kind of condition I want you to see when Peter is writing this. He's writing to our brothers and our sisters in the early church who've been scattered out. They're not in their homes anymore. They left their homes. They left families. They left their surroundings. They had to leave their jobs. They had, they had to leave their neighborhoods. They got scattered because they were being persecuted. It's to those people that he writes this word. And he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So in the context, you've got, number one, they're, they're exiles. The, the second thing, and I didn't read that far, uh, far enough down, but the second thing he says about them, they're not only exiles, but they're under pressure. He says, you've been encounter, encountering various trials. And that word trials, as Pastor Steve pointed out, is it, it's pressure, it's outside pressure. It's got nothing to do with something rising up within us. It's got everything to do with an assault coming against us. So on, on, on the one side of this living hope, you, you've got that. And, and then you've got this, this, this various trials going on. And, and sandwiched between two tough places, sandwiched between on one side, you're in exile, and on the other side, you're under various kinds of external pressure, trials, right in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit works through Peter to tell them, hey, <laughs> you've been born again to a living hope. A living hope. First, <clears throat> this word, living. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. He's writing and he said, for this tend we toil. Paul says, speaking to his young brother, his young pastor. For to this end we toil and we strive, being godly, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. We've got our hope, we have a living hope, and our hope is set on a living God. Both those words are the same, and it's the word zoe. It, it's, 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 it's the word for life. So when he talks about this, this living hope, recognize he also talks about the living God. Now, if, if God is alive, which he is, <laughs> if, if, if something is alive, it will respond to a stimulus. Make sense? I mean, if, 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 if you've got something, I can remember... Way back when we lived in West Plains, our, our kids had a couple of cats, and every, one, every once in a while, I think it was Diane's cat, would bring something, just wanted to bless us, bring us some food, so it would lay something dead on the back porch. And, uh, you know, you, you could go out there and you could give it that number. And uh, normally it didn't move because it had no life. So I'd give it a stimulus, but there was no response. God... The word says he's the he's the living God, so he responds to stimuli. How about God in, inhabits the praises of his people? God responds to that. God responds to praise and to worship. And it, 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 I believe it was Jack Taylor used to, used to make the comment. Sometimes the reason we don't find God is because we don't show up at His address. His address is praise and worship. And he responds. It's a stimulus. <clears throat> How about compassion? How many times? I mean, God responds 
God responds to physical situations. How many times do we find in the Scripture Jesus arriving on a situation? He'll just come into a place and it will say, Jesus feeling compassion. Guys, anytime you come across in the, in the Gospels those three words, Jesus feeling compassion, something good is about to happen. Because he won't let that compassion go by. He will minister. Jesus said, Jesus said of himself, he said, the Son of Man can do nothing unless he's something he sees the Father doing or hears the Father doing. And so Jesus would just be cruising around in, along in life and there would be a situation in front of him, a need. I remember one story that comes to mind. Jesus is just walking down a street, and there's a funeral going on. And there's this, this widow, and her only son, who is there to provide for her, is being carried in a casket. Jesus feels compassion. The father has compassion on that widow, and that compassion... Is, is echoed in the heart of Jesus. And so Jesus just messed, oh man, he just messed up a really good funeral. <clears throat> and he, 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 did, he did what the Old Testament told him not to do. The Old Testament said, if you touch something dead, then you are unclean. <laughs> but Jesus, full of life that he is, touches a casket and he doesn't become unclean. The guy in the casket becomes alive. And he gets up. And Jesus hands him back to his mother. Guys, that's, respond, that's, that's being alive where you respond to a stimulus. God loves. God seeks to save that which is lost. God forgives. He does all that because he's the living God. I've got a picture up behind me, I think. <clears throat> if not, I'll... Oh, there we go. Yeah, that is, uh, that's in our Route 66 room. That is a uh, Christmas cactus on the, uh, on the left side. And that is a, uh, they call that uh, chicken and hen. There's no, I mean, hen and chicks. There's no chicks there. It's just that hen setting there. <clears throat> but uh, that plant, the, one, the big one, the Christmas cactus, it's alive. It really is alive. I can remember Francie's grandmother when we would go there growing up as kids. We've been hanging around with each other since we were 14 and 15, so we got a lot of history. But we would go to Francie's grandmother's house, uh, Beta uh, was her name. Her name was actually Ada, but as a baby, Francie had trouble with that, so she always called her Beta. So we'd go to Beta's house, and around Christmas time, Beta had one of those Christmas cactus, but she had it in a, almost like a baby bassinet. I remember it was white, and it had to be probably maybe that wide. And that, that cactus filled that basket. And come Christmas time, it was beautiful. I mean, it had flowers everywhere on it. This guy will be blooming here in about another month and a half. Now, there's something about that thing being alive. It, it responds to stimulus. And so every morning, you didn't think I was goofy before, and every morning I go into the Route 66 room and I open the blind that's behind that because it's alive and it will respond to light. Because when the stimulus of light is there, it will respond. So I open that up. About every two weeks, I feed it with miracle Grow uh, food that's specifically for uh, a, a plant like that. And I uh, forgot what the word is. Uh, but it, it's specifically for... Uh, the cactus family plants. And so I feed that. It responds to light. It responds to food. It also responds to words. I go in there in the morning and I greet it. I say hi to it. 
I bless it. I just, I just thank it. I just bless the fact that it's so beautiful green. I bless the fact that it's growing. I bless the fact that it, 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 it is, uh, it's maturing. I bless the fact that I just celebrate the fact that it's going to be so beautiful here in about a month and a half. I speak to that thing. And you may think, well, that's, that's crazy. Well, then Jesus was crazy. Because Jesus one day walked by a tree and he cursed it. And the disciples went by the next day and the thing was dead from the roots up. What did he do? He just spoke to it. Guys, it's, it's, it's alive. <laughs> that, that plant is alive. The one on the, the little one, it normally doesn't set there. I've got another uh, plant that sits on the right side of, of the cactus. But I, I set it there for an illustration. Uh, that thing looks good, but it's phony. <laughs> it, ha it has no life. It doesn't respond to life, to light. doesn't respond to water. doesn't respond to anything I say because it's not living. It's, it's a man-made artificial thing that just looks cute in a little Route 66 bowl. <clears throat> but the big boy, he does respond. Listen, guys, we have been born again to a living hope. And our living hope responds to water. It does, it responds to water. Ephesians, I'm, I can't, I won't go to these scriptures, but I, in Ephesians 5, it will talk about Jesus cleansing his bride by the washing of water with the word. There are many references in the, in the Bible where the word is spoken of as water. Our living hope will respond to the stimulus of the water of God's Word. If we struggle, guys, if, we, if we're struggling with hope, could it be that we're not feeding it? Hope, living hope needs food. <laughs> it needs nourishment. It responds to the water of the Word. Out of Psalm 119, it, res it responds to the light of God's Word. And then number three, it responds to our words. Our words. I'm not the only guy that, that speaks to stuff. Jesus did. I also go around the house many times speaking to myself. Normally, I understand. I, I, I can't remember any time I've spoken to myself and I've said, huh? <laughs> That's what, huh? What was that? No. And our words, uh, our words are so powerful. David said of himself, why are you in despair, O my soul? Speaking to his soul, speaking into his, here is the spirit rising up and speaking to the mind, the will, and the emotions. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Calling it up, hoping God, and he, he's not born again to what we've got. He doesn't have at that point in time living hope. That is a gift that we receive when we're born again. But David had such a relationship with God. He knew about confidence in God. And so he's telling himself, dude, <laughs> hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance in my God. If it's not good yet, it will be. So hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Peter, Hebrews, James, all written to believers who are scattered like seed, I told you a minute ago, among the nations due to persecution. They weren't, listen, First Peter, the book of Hebrews, James, is written to believers who are exiled, and who are under various trials, various pressures, but they have a living hope in them. So all three of those books are written with words that will minister life to the living hope within them. That's why they wrote them. They were coming, they couldn't be with them in person, so they write these words so that as they read these words, it will feed the living hope that's inside of them. God's word is such a God's Word is such a powerful, absolutely powerful book. This is alive. And it responds, guys, 
Can I read to you one of my favorite, one of my favorite all-time texts? If I had, if I had my top ten, this this would be somewhere in the ten. Listen to this, Ephesians: Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such words that are good for edification, or that's a fancy word for building yourself up, <laughs> but only such as good for building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't let corrupt talk come out of your mouth. I, I don't know about you, but I used to be really good at trash talk. The trash talk that I would speak about myself. If I was discouraged or if I was going through situations or if I, if, if I was under pressure or I, things that had gone wrong, I was, I was really, really good at trash talking myself. And can I tell you, that trash talk never built my hope. It my hope did not respond to that. Somewhere down the years, <clears throat> the, Lord, the Lord dealt with me in that, and I quit trash talking, and I just start, started prophesying to myself. You want to prophesy? Look in the mirror. <laughs> in the morning, guys, when you're shaving or after you shave, maybe you look better. Got your hair combed. Look at yourself in that mirror and prophesy to yourself. The Word says that those words will minister grace. Grace is empowerment. Ah, you've been born, guys. Listen, you've been born again to a living hope. And you know that word living? That, hope, that living means that hope within you has vital power in itself. <whistles> living hope has power in itself. The book of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about the Word of God, and it says, and one reference about the Word, God says, not one word this is, this is the living God talking about words that go out of his mouth. God said of himself, not one word that proceeds out of my mouth will ever return to me without accomplishing what I sent it forth to do. Not one word. That means if, if you can just picture uh, the word coming out of the mouth of God and that word being like a fireball. That word, listen, what Isaiah is saying, what God is saying, that word when it goes out of its mouth is living. It is alive and it has the power within itself to do exactly what it was sent forth to do. And it will never return back to God until it shows up and says, Lord, mission accomplished. I mean, that, that'd make, that'd make a, I don't know, I mean, even if your wood's wet, that ought to spark some fire. <laughs> no word. Well, wh what about the words coming out of our mouth? When uh, Francie and I first got, I'm going to give you a personal testimony about the power of, of hope. Francie and I, when uh, years ago, went to uh, West Plains and we would uh, start out our uh, ministry journey of pastoring together. Uh, with two churches that we pastored together for seven years. They were uh, separated uh, by distance. But uh, we pastored those two for seven years. I would speak at the morning at one and quickly get in my old truck and I would make a beeline to the second church to speak there. On many occasions, it was nice because I could share the same message, but it got to where the two bodies were in two different places. And so that wasn't always the situation. I'd have to come up with a, by the time I got there, I'd have to come up with something else that I'm going to say to the other body because I knew it wouldn't fit what God just done. We weren't, uh, we weren't setting the, the world on fire financially. In fact, one of the churches, it was the, it was the larger of the two. But when we went there, the average offering was 7 dollars and so many cents not 700 not 7,000 
$7 and so many cents. So Francie and I have two children at the time. We're living in a, uh, in a hundred year old farmhouse and, and we just, uh, we loved it because we were together and our kids were with us and we just grew together as a family unit. But we're going through this and we'd been at this for about maybe two years. And I said, like I said, maybe third year and we're not, we're not setting the world on fire financially. And sometime mid-October of uh, while we were there, I'm going to say this is about 1980, something like that, I get a phone call. And the phone call is from the guy who's been doing our taxes because it got complicated. And uh, Travis on the other line uh, greets me, and then, he, and then his voice kind of begins to go down a little bit. <laughs> and he said, Larry, there's a major mistake and the way your taxes have done. And you owe quite a bit of money. Now the IRS, <laughs> yeah, right. The IRS may never discover it. But I'm thinking, I just discovered it. <laughs> and so I need to deal with it. And he said, so that amount of money, if, if you're going to do it, has to be paid by January the 15th postmark a certain date and so so we get off the phone and Francie and I are together we're praying about that as we do for the next several weeks and we're just we're just believing God I mean I'm I'm, I'm putting my hope in that place and I'm and I'm believing God that when when before I, honestly, my faith was this, because I just wanted breathing time. My faith was this, long before I needed it, it will be there. And so I, I did everything a really good charismatic pastor, a really good word of faith pastor would do. I mean, I was, I was to the letter, Phil. I mean, I'm walking the straight and narrow, buddy, because <laughs> I've got to have a lot of money by, Janu by J January the 15th. So... End of October, nothing. Go through November, nothing. We're pushing Christmas. I told Francie, I said, Francie, we were, we're going to go ahead and have Christmas together. We'll go ahead and have Christmas with our kids. Uh, but we won't be stupid. <laughs> but we'll do that. And uh, so we, we did. And we had a great holiday together with our families. And then we move in the, the 1st of January. Still Nothing. January 10th, nothing, 11, 12, 13, 14, the morning of the 15th, nothing. <laughs> we had just enough money <laughs> to go to the bank and make that payment. And when we make that payment, we will have $67 and a few cents left till our payday, which is another two weeks away. So we're driving to town, driving into West Plains, 10 miles away. And we go there, and, and I'm still thinking in myself, I'm, I'm, I'm watching what my mouth says. Somewhere between now and then, I'll either run into it, I'll get it, I'll find it, somebody will give it to me, and nothing happened. So we wrote the check, we had it, we had it at the post office so it could be uh, registered at the right time. You remember, Gene, that was probably one of our longest rides home. I was, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was devastated. Because I had, I had done everything I knew to be a man of faith. I'd watched my words. I did everything. And, and, and here I am. I just spent everything we've got to pay a, a bill. When, as we're driving home, we, we came up to, uh, I remember clearly, Highway 17 crosses uh, the, the larger Highway uh, 63, and I'm sitting there at the intersection, and I'm thinking, I think this is probably the only time in my life I ever thought this. But the, the thought came to my mind, I, I understand right now, because I am that low. I understand right now why somebody would think the wisest thing to do would just be to end it. 
I didn't do anything about that. I wouldn't even, that was there, that thought was there, but I wouldn't do anything with it. So for the next 10 miles, we drive home and we are, we are silent. And we get home and I go into the house. I walk through the living room. I walk into the bedroom. I close the door and I fall next to our bed and I cry like a baby. I am, I, my heart is broken. I'm just devastated. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm, I'm broke and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just, but the biggest thing was my disappointment. I mean, I, I mean, it's way past midnight now and still nothing, nothing happened if you understand that clock. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm just there and I'm, I mean, I am, I, guys, I am wailing. I am crying. Tears are going everywhere. While I am next to my bed and I'm kneeling down and I'm, and my arms are on and I'm boohooing and I'm crying and I'm carrying on. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And Holy Spirit said to me, Larry, if somebody came to you right now feeling exactly the way you feel, what would you say to them? I can honestly tell you, as God is my witness, in a nanosecond, I responded out loud. I would tell them to hope in God. The moment I said that, all that broke off of my life. Every bit of that, I mean, I was just, I was just, I was totally free. I mean, the, the tears quit, the, the oppression stopped, that, that heaviness, all that was gone. Just as soon as that word came out of my mouth, I got up, I washed my face off, I went in the kitchen, and Francie and I proceeded to do something till the kids got home. An hour passes, I get a phone call. And on the phone call, it was uh, one of the members of the second church that I pastored, the smallest of the two. And he said, uh, his name was Dick. And uh, so I, I respond, and he said, Larry, what's going on? I mean, this is, this is a brother uh, that had a, he just had an ear to hear. And so what's going on? And I didn't go into detail. I just told him, uh, you know, well, it's, it's been a rough day, but, but, things have turned around now. And he said, uh, can you come over to my house at seven o'clock tonight? So I, I go over to, to Dick Moore's house, seven o'clock. Me and Dick sat in his uh, office area and uh, he said, okay, what's really going on? So I shared with him just what I shared with you. And Dick takes out his checkbook on the spot. And wrote me out a check for $1,000. Now, $1,000 may not sound much. I was going to look to see what the equivalent of today is a, is $1,000 worth back then. It would be worth more than one. It would be worth multiples. That was huge. That was huge. You say, why are you saying that now? Because three weeks ago, listen. Three weeks ago, as I'm studying this thing about living hope, the Lord takes me back to that event. And he said, do you want to know what that was all about, Larry? <laughs> oh, man. So when the Lord tells you stuff like that, you don't know exactly how to respond. But I'm listening. And he said, what that was all about, I, I am more concerned about your conformity than I am about your comfort. And your trust was in your bank account. I always had you covered. But when, when that went down and you released hope, I became your source. And he has been our source. He still is our source. But it, I mean, I didn't know that then, but I know that now because the Lord brought that to me uh, just a few days ago. Guys, your hope, <laughs> when I said that, I, there, I get it now. I didn't even get it then, but I get it now. That was a release of something that was alive inside of me. The abundance of my heart 
got out of all the clutter and came forth. And I just simply said, I would tell them to hope in God. And I would say to you this morning, I say to you this morning, especially if you're in a spot where you just, your hope seems like it's just sucking air. You know what that means? <laughs> it just, it just, you're, you've got it, but it is, but it is just difficult right now to stand. I want to say to you this morning, right now, I speak life to you. And I tell you right now, in the name and authority of Jesus, hope in God. Hope in God. You've got a living source inside of you. And that living source is alive and it is hope. And that living source, guys, will respond to the water of the Word. It will respond to the light of the Word. And it will respond to your words very quickly. i got four minutes. Very quickly, we have to go through this. Uh, it, you know, I had not talked to Melissa about what I was going to be sharing today. But I just love the fact when we sang today, we sang not, we sang about the present, but guys, we were singing about our future. Do you understand that? We were, we were singing not just about the here and now, but the future, our future time with Jesus, that we have a king that is returning. And so I want to I speak to that because living hope not only has to do with our today, but living hope also has to do with our future. It really does have to do with our future. This is an amazing verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. If the only place we as people, as believers, have hope is in the here and now, Paul said, among people, we're most to be pitied. But that's not the reality. We don't have just hope in this life only. But we've got a hope. We've got a hope of the future. We've got a hope of a coming again, Lord Jesus. I won't take the time to read it. But First Peter, that we looked at a while ago, says that we're born again to a living hope, to an inheritance, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, that's kept in heaven for us. <laughs> that's future, future for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. And it's the last time is talking about the second coming of Jesus. When's the second coming? I'm not here this morning. Listen, I'm not here to, you, to, to speak in any way, shape, or form about the different views of the, of the, uh, the coming of Christ, whether it's the, the, the pre, the post, the ah, or the pan-millennialist view. That's not what I'm doing. I am here to say, say to you this morning, though, our hope is anchored in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He is coming. And when He comes, boy, He is going to come in a whole different manner than the way He came the first time. He's not coming as a suffering servant. He's not coming as a lamb to be slain. He's already done that. He is coming as Lord of lords. He is coming as King of kings. He is coming with all power. And, and, and judgment will come forth, but we will be raised with him. Guys, that's, wow, listen, listen. Future-focused living hope. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Paul went there, and this is a young church. Many scholars believe, if you haven't read First and Second Thessalonians for a while, go read it. It's good stuff. Many scholars believe that First Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians is the earliest known writings of the Apostle Paul, along with the books of Galatians and 2 Thessalonians, which makes it perhaps the oldest Christian writing that we have. It dates somewhere to about A.D. 50 to 51. That's 20 or less years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's an early book. It's written, listen, it is written, it was written, among other, other things, to give them and us assurance 
about the eternal state of believers, especially those who have died. It is part of our living hope. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. Now may the God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. Paul wants to get there. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father when at the coming <laughs> at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and when he comes boy is he going to have an accompaniment you talk about an uh, an entourage all of the dead in Christ are going to come with him wow it's going to be awesome reading he goes on in the, the next chapter would be a chapter for him just later on in his letter. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died before us, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who have who are believers and who've passed away. And praise God, the moment we pass away, we're absent from this body, but we are present. We're present with you, Jesus. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Listen, we are declaring this by a word from the Lord. Paul's got a word that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord Jesus, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the loud voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with him forever. Therefore, encourage each other. And guys, I say, encourage yourself. With these words, another way of saying it, speak life to your living hope. One last scripture from John the Beloved. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Listen. John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you. Grace to you and peace, shalom, from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. He's the, it references him as the firstborn from the dead because he is the first one born from the dead who is not dying anymore. <laughs> He's the firstborn of that. From Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We sang about that. And made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him, to Jesus, be glory and dominion forever and ever. And amen. John says, behold, he, Jesus, is coming with the clouds. And every eye is going to see him, even those who pierced him. Even those who pierced him. Pilate is going to see Jesus when Jesus comes back. Because he was among those who pierced him. The chief priest will see him. Those who were in a mockery of a trial before his crucifixion, they're going to see him. The Roman soldiers who mocked him, who beat him with their fists. Who put, a, who put a crown of thorns upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The, the ones who nailed him to that cross, they're going to see Jesus. And when they see Jesus, the word goes on to say, and when they see him, all tribes of the earth are going to wail. They're going to wail. They're going to wail on account of him because they're going to see him as, they, as he is. And when they see him as he is, they're going to see themselves as they are. Jesus ends it by saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am the first and the last, who is, who was, 
who is to come. I am the Almighty. Guys, in closing, I just want I just want to encourage you in this. You have been born again to a living hope. A hope that is more than enough, has more than enough in itself for the present and for your future. You want to know your future? Read this. Don't listen to the 5:30 news. Read the word. There's life in the word. That living hope renders in you a confident expectation that you will experience the goodness of God in all of life. A living hope that renders a confident expectation that the best is yet to come. A living hope that responds to the Holy Spirit-infused light, power, words, water, of God's word. Guys, my last word to you is this. <laughs> Feed your living hope. <laughs> Feed it. Feed it. Feed it. It really likes light. It really likes water. And it really likes words. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for putting us on this train. Father, I thank you for the ministry of Marlene in the first car. I thank you for the ministry of, of, of Steve in car number two and car number three. And I thank you for the ministry that I've had right now, Lord, in car number four. Lord, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you just not, you didn't born us again. You never called us forth to to life with a hope that really was dependent upon ourselves. Lord, it has within itself, Father, life. Life, it's a living thing. Holy Spirit, take what has been said and take what uh, Sandra will say next week. Lord, stir us up as day spring. Stir, up us, stir us up as a body. Stir us up, Lord, to a living hope that our living hope would be, would be greater and stronger to all the assaults of the enemy. Lord, to all the bad news that can be experienced in one day by just leaving the news on for a few hours. Lord, to the despair. Father, I, and Lord, yeah, oh yeah, Lord. And Father, I pray that your hope would be so alive in us, so living in us, that we would become contagious. <laughs> we would become contagious to those that are living in this world, in this city, in this neighborhood, who right now have no hope. And we'd be so contagious, they'd look at us and they'd say, Lord, and this is your word. They'd look at us and say, what in the world gives you hope in our day? Ah, because I've been born to a living hope. Let me tell you about it in Jesus' name. Father, I bless, I bless, I seal and bless your word in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, this living word in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Phil. Hallelujah. Well, I don't think any of these cars on the train are sleeper cars. Not with this living hope. There's just too much to do. In fact, I, you might have brought us the catering catering car there, Larry. This is a, this is a food train. And, and we have been fed well this morning. And the ministry of Jesus continues on. And it continues on through you. The living hope continues on through you. Not only as you go out through this door today, but there's a... There's a living hope that's ministering up front here as well. And if I could have our prayers, prayer teams go ahead and just assemble. We just want to continue the healing ministry of Jesus. Lord, I just, we just receive that word, Father. And I just, we just receive it. Thank you, God, that it just not only touch, find that good soil, that place in us, Father, but thank you that we've been watered as well. And Lord, you are the one that faithfully causes it to grow. Uh, so we put our hope in you that even what we have received today would grow in us. 
and produce abundant hope, abundant life, Jesus. We thank you for that, Father. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your hope in us, Jesus. Lord, I just pray, if, if you just need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if you just need for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, for some hope to come alive in you, I just encourage you to come and see these teams down front. It's the, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope. Hope, hope would be restored. If, if there are some things that you feel hopeless in, if there are some areas where you've lost your hope, I was talking with my, with uh, Mary, just, Mary, just my incredible, incredible friend, incredible sister. We used to work together uh, uh, with the airlines, and, and um, she just reminded me that um, atmosphere determines our, our decisions, and decisions determine our destiny, you know. And so if, if there needs to be an atmosphere shift over your life right now, if you need an atmosphere shift, then I encourage you, come down front to one of these ministry teams. If you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance, you need freedom, God is here and he is working and he is able. Our all-sufficient one is here. So Lord, we just thank you. I just bless every head in this place, God. Lord, let us be, just go out and spread hope. Wherever we go this morning, let us spread hope. Lord, we just celebrate the testimonies of the healings that happened uh, in the service, the healings that have happened through this week. And Lord, we go out with the miracle-working power of Jesus in these hands. Lord, in the hands in this room, the miracle-working power of Jesus is here. God, let us just spread your light to this community around us. Thank you. You have hope for this city even when we see things happening, you have hope. Even when we see what's happening in our nation, you have hope, God. Lord, we need your perspective. God, we've been listening to many perspectives from the news to gossip to all kinds of different things if we just let ourselves. God, but we, this is the hour more than anything that we need your perspective. You know, when the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11, the root of Jesse... It says this when it talks through the seven spirits of God. It says he delighted in, in, 